We are in the house of the Lord. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And there is cleanse. There is peace. And there is joy as we come to hear your word. We give the Lord the glory this morning as we've come to hear your word. Father, come and take charge. For I am just a vessel coming to ready to give the word to you this morning. And so just feel at ease to hear this word, for it's come directly from the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. We are going to grow in power. You know, the Lord's power is got many angles, multifaceted. You know, so it's got authority. It's got the spirit of God. It's got the strength. It's got everything in everything. More beyond what you and I can actually feature. Praise God. Don't worry. It's fine. Praise God. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There is power. And it is multifaceted, like I'm saying. You know, it can come in several ways. The, say, the way it will bless one, it will bless another one in a different angle. But we just need to avail ourselves for the angle of the Lord to take charge. For us to receive that word and to run with that word. Hallelujah. So we're going to share the word this morning. And we pray that each of us is going to be blessed. As long as we avail ourselves, we're going to be blessed. Unless you tight to say, no, I'm not going to be blessed. For if the Lord is with us, who can be against us? The Lord will bless, no one can curse. Praise God. And so, just avail yourselves and let, and let, let him take charge. Praise God. You know, I was going to say this later on, but it just reminds me, you know, um, myself and Pastor Joyce, I know, uh, and I'm sure many of you here are at an age where we remember that power steering was a novelty. When you look for an advert of the car, you see PAS. That will add a few hundreds of pounds to the price of the car. Power-assisted steering. And I remember one mechanic explaining it to me. He says, the steer throws it for you. You know, if you want to turn right, it throws it for you. All you need to do is just to put your hand on the steer, and the car will be turning right. Prior to that, mate, this day and age of driving with one hand, you are joking. It will not happen. You see a very sort of a lady who's probably got a little frame driving a 4 by 4 They call them Chelsea tractors with one hand. You must be joking. It's not physically possible. Because before the age of power steering, you need your two hands. The way we were taught in driving school was to push and pull. You, tend, you hold the steer as 10 to 2. That's how they taught us. And you feed it like that. If you want to turn right, you go like that. You know, even a policeman, I remember this so much where a policeman was doing pursuit driving. To turn right. There was no power assisted steering. You needed that energy to turn right. But when power assisted steering came through, you want to turn right. Phone on the other hand, gear, you know. And if you, God help you if you had automatic, just like that. Car turn right. Power assisted steering. And so, in relation to the power of God, when the Lord wants to move you to the right, just avail yourself to be moved to the right. God, I am ready to move to the right, and he will help you. Power tools. Oh, when power tools came, everyone became a carpenter overnight. You wanted to drill something through that wall, you just took your power drill, and it will drill for you. Prior to that, a carpenter drilling the wall, you needed the power. Me, this is my frame. I would have never made it as a carpenter. 
because you just didn't have that muscle power to drill that. But when power tools came, just hold it in there and it will drill for you. Praise God. And so with the power of the Lord, once you avail yourself, he will use you. But there's a condition there. You need to avail yourself. And he may, he's not going to do it all for you. He wants you to be part of that process. He wants you to be part of that process. And so Zechariah chapter 4, let's read that. There's a narrative there that is quite, it's very interesting. We've got time. So yes, it's not a big chapter. So we will read it through. Yeah, that version is good as well. He says, now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who's waking out of his sleep. The Lord has to wake you up. He doesn't deal with people who are in slumber. He won't use you like lying down there and say, oh, I'm going to. No, you will need to do the work. But you need to be part of that. So he wakened him out of his sleep too. And he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I am looking. There is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it. One on the right bowl and the other at its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? And five said, Then the angel talked with me and answered and said unto me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Not by might, nor by power. Not by your power, not by your muscular strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Seven, who are you, O great mountain? And in the commentaries, this mountain was referred to the Dariuses and the so-called kings who said this would not happen. The obstructives, the enemies of progress, the hinderers, the ones who decide that they will stand in your way. The Lord said, who are you, a great mountain? Great on this earth, but in the eyes of the Lord, you are nothing. Before Zerubbabel, you shall become plain. Amen. May any obstruction in your life become plain in the eyes of the Lord. If the Lord says he will do it, man, no man, no weapon will stand against you. But you have to do the work. For you have to condemn because that is your heritage. If you don't condemn it, the Lord has given you that heritage, but you have to do it. He says, he made Zerubbabel build that. Maybe I'm jumping the gun, but he made Zerubbabel build. Although he made it become plain, he says, who are you, a great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become plain. And he shall bring forth the capstones with shouts of grace, grace to it. He expected Zerubbabel to lay that cornerstone and say grace, grace to it. But he gave him the pathway to do that. Praise God. Eight. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, and in nine said, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation. Not the hands of God. Yes, the Lord has made it possible, but he expects you, Teresa, to actually lay the hand. You would lay it. He will give you the, the ability to do so, but he will do it. 
he will make it possible. His hands are also finished. Matilda, you will not just start it, but you will finish it. Praise God. But he wants you to be part of that process. He wants you to be part of that. So he's going to say to you, you will start it and you finish it. What the Lord starts, he will finish. But you are part of that process. The power steering, it won't turn it for you, you know. If you want to turn right, say, oh, I want to turn right. It won't, we haven't got to that age yet. But the Lord does not even operate that way. It won't just turn for you. You will have to put your hand on it. You will have to lay that. You will have to hold that power drill. Although the innate power in that is of the Lord. Secularly, the innate power in that screwdriver is in the motto of that Makita or whatever. But you will have to hold it. He says his hands shall also finish it. Then you will know. Uh -huh. Then you will know the Lord of hosts have sent me to you. So you see the Lord. If he had done it, you would not think that ah, man, man was not sent. But the idea that the Lord is operating, that he would use you, but he would show to the world that they will see that the Lord of hosts has sent, had been sent to you. That's why he wants you to be part of that process. Praise God. Hallelujah. May you avail yourself to be part of that process. You have the ability. As long as you avail yourself, he would use you, Maureen. He would use you. But you have to avail yourself. You have to avail yourself. Yes, I want to be partaking that DIY. I want to use this tool to put that screw into that wall. But by myself, it's not by my might. It's not by my power. But by his spirit. And so look at it on a sort of circle. I'm not in any point comparing the power drill or power assisted steering because the power of the Lord is way beyond that. It is just, I'm just trying to relate it that we sort of see where the Lord is coming from. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's why he gave us the power to get wealth. It was just for a season that the Lord gave the people, the Israelites, manna. They were in transition. They were going to some place, from some place. So he said to them, I'll feed you with manna. But later on, he said to them, I will give you power to get wealth. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, let's look at that quite well. Because there's, myself, was, myself was even thought and misled. I was misinterpreting this scripture in my heyday. God forgive me. He says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. And then I stopped there. The Lord gave me power to get wealth. The Lord gave me power to get pound sterling. The Lord gave me power to get pound sterling to just show that, yes, I have arrived. Yes, I've got a suit. Not so. Wrong. There was a comma there. That he may establish his covenant in you, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Praise God. There was a reason for why the Lord gave you that power. There was a purpose. There was a purpose. Rabbana touched on it earlier. He says each one has a calling. There was a purpose for why he gave you that gift. Not to brag, not to abuse it, not to misinterpret it, 
not to mislead people with that. Not to show off to people. No, no way. For who are you? The, pro the purpose of why he gave you that power was that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is his day. And this is lost in translation. That wealth he's talking about here is actually nothing to do with money. It's not. It's the virtue. The actual translation of the Hebrew, hilal, was pronounced. But it is virtue. It was related, almost related to the virtuous woman. At no point when Solomon was talking about the virtuous woman, did he say, oh yeah, this woman is going to be just full of money. No, no. It was more to do with her character. That was wealth. The way you comport yourself. The way you react when people upsets you. That is virtue. That is wealth. That is strength. How you would react, how will you respond, how you, in when problems come, I'm not saying if problems will come, problems will come, but how you respond to that is what people are watching. They are watching, and we are saying in the car, circle in the earth, people are always waiting for you to trip. Oh yeah. When I'm walking like this, the enemies wanted me to say, ah, you, uh, you like, you, I want you to trip and fall and bang your head and go laugh. Ah, yeah. No. That's what the earth is looking for. So they're wanting you to trip. No. But that wealth is the virtue, how you will respond. Talks of power. That is what he was giving the people of Israelite. That they will be able to resist or the will to withstand when temptations come. That is virtue. That is power. Hallelujah. So he gave them the ability to work on that. To work on their salvation. That the Lord will give you the salvation, but that you must work on that salvation. Praise God. And that when you are working on that salvation, you are working with it with virtue. You are working with it in a way that the, it fits in with the will of God. What would Jesus do is what I always ask myself. How do I respond? If Jesus was in my situation, what would he have done? Mm. That is your growth. That is your strength. Hallelujah. That's why he gave the people of the Israelites. That's why he gave them power to get wealth. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we talk of virtue. Another, um, I don't know whether it's a verb or it's an adjective, it's a descriptive way of how the power is demonstrated. You know, at the beginning, I was saying that the power of the Lord has got many angles. So virtue is one. Valor is another one. What he said to Gideon. Gideon had the innate power, but he didn't really. He says, you are the mighty man of valor. Even when Gideon didn't see, in, in his fleshly mindset, he didn't see that he had valor. But God sent the angel to come and tell him that he was a mighty man of valor to go and conquer the Midianites, if I remember. Mighty man of valor. Virtuous woman. That is not to say men are not virtuous, you know. But when we talk of man, you have the valor. And that is not to say women cannot have, be mighty people of valor. It is non-genderless. The Lord would bless who he wants to bless. Hallelujah. So it was, it, it's that, that valor is another one. Praise God. Valor to withstand any sort of skirmishes of the enemy is another one. Might, the might of David. David didn't come to Gideon with the strength, the physical strength. But he came to Goliath in the name of the Father. 
in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, he came to, he says, I do not come to you with sword, but I came to you with that spirit. And with one strength, Goliath was flawed. May the Goliaths in your life be flawed because you are coming to them not by your might, not by your secular skill, not by your fleshly skill, but the innate skill that the Lord has planted in you. That is growth. That is growth. In Hallelujah. Praise God. And most importantly, power over the enemy. Praise God. May you have power over the enemy. In fact, you have power over the enemy already. As long as you avail yourself that you have power, you have that power over the enemy. Hallelujah. Praise God. Reminds us. Jesus reminds us himself. In Luke chapter 19. Praise God. Luke chapter 10. Let's look at 19 and 20, Alexi. He gave us power over the enemy. He says, behold. That's another angle of power. Authority. If you don't have the authority, you don't have the mandate. You don't have the mandate to overcome, but he says he's given us that authority. Heritage. He's given us the heritage as servants of the Lord. To condemn every tongue that rises above us. Hallelujah. He says, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall any means hurt you. Nothing will hurt you. Praise God. Nevertheless, now this is the powerful thing. What are you going to use with that power? When you are given that authority, Sandra, when you are given that authority, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to brag with it to say, oh, well, you know, Patrick here, the Lord has given me that power. So, yes, uh, you know, I can really shout to the enemy. The enemy has no power over me, you know, and I'm bragging with that. You say, wow, this pastor, he's, he's really got a lot of power and all that. No, what is he going to, what, what are you going to do with that? Because that's a challenging question. Talk is easy. You probably say, oh, no, I'll give glory to the Lord. Hmm. When you are in that high and ivory tower, are you really going to remember? Praise God. He says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. Don't rejoice that you have that power over the serpents. Instead, I put that word there, that don't rejoice that the spirits are subject over you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. What he's saying there is that, that you are in line with the covenant of God. Like, remember the people of Israel, he says that, that he may establish his covenant with you. You give you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant with you. Hallelujah. He's the covenant just as he ordained from his forefathers. Hallelujah. I'll take one leaf of the, the a, a, a circular establishment. I was sharing with the family in the car. I remember I lent it in one of my circular courses. HP. He will Packard, you know, the cartridge company. When you go to their headquarters, it's a very nice, you know how they do the panels and all that, you know, very shiny, really. You could imagine HP headquarters. The guys have bled as dry with money. You know, like you go and buy an HP, you, they can give you a printer free of charge. Then when the cartridge runs out, go and buy an HP cartridge and see. It's almost the same price as the printer. That is they, they are massing that. So, of course, they can build a nice ivory tower. It looks nice. But there's one interesting thing with that company when you go in there. So, you say, oh, yeah, I work for HP. 
You know, if right now someone comes to the church, so where do you work? I went to HP. People say, ooh, you know, suddenly thinking, can I get some free cartridge? You know, it looks good. The company, they, they do pay well, and it's a good established company. But there's the, in the ivory tower, just in front of that ivory tower, there's a wooden shed, really like an eyesore. We had a friend of ours used to say, eyesore. You know, it really doesn't look pleasant. It looks out of place. Out of place. It's like a wooden shed. The lock is sagging here. The hinge is falling off here. And to go into work, you have to go through this wooden shed. It's really not great. But you have to go through it. You have to want in your ID card. You have to do all your checks before you go in. So you really spend some time in that shed. And you experience the ambience of that shed before you step into the ivory tower. But there's a reason for why the head of HP did that. Because... The origins of the HP company, that's where he started. He started in that wooden shed. So what do you think he's trying to tell his employees? That they must remember that this ivory tower is not just come here like that. It had a process. And that he wants to remind you of that process. So before you sit on your stupid high horse, remember where you came from. And you will spend a good few minutes there to remember before you go and sit on your chair to come and think, oh, yeah, I am the CEO, I'm the DO, or whatever. No. There was a process. And this is what the Lord wants us to remember. There was a process where he brought you from. We're going to be celebrating Easter soon, but there was a process to your salvation. Who are you to come and condemn, come and say, you know, I'm telling you that just telling what? When the Lord had come as flesh, sinless as he was, embarrassed and dying for your cross. Where were you? In my local dialect, they say, who born you by mistake? Who are you? Who are we? You know, we are, we are vessels. We are here for a purpose. We are servants of God. Sometimes we forget who we are. And come and stand in places of authority and just spew things out. Or what? Who are you? And after all that, when you go and sit before your boss, God, he's going to ask you, you know what? That thing you said, what does that mean? What did that mean? May it not be so. Instead, may the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. We are given a purpose. And we can all ride with that purpose. But in carrying out that purpose, What and how did you carry out that purpose? I had a, a, a friend of mine at work. And really, honestly, uh, the guy's responsibility was really, uh, this guy, he's called like a title, I think he's called QP or something like that. Respons person responsible, they call it. Very prestigious position. Really, very... And his job is that he prepares drips for drip for premature babies. So it's really like, you know, he does this. And this is what the whole of West London used to do. And if he, if he doesn't sign that package, it's not going out. It's like, wow, like, really? <laughs> he struggles to sleep at night because he reminds me. He says, you know what? If maybe 10 years down the line, it was found that one package 
was not, the formula was not right. We put too much of one ingredient in and one baby came to harm. They can bring him out of retirement to come and sit before the dock and ask him to answer and explain what mistake he did. So this is what they, we have at time. It says, it will cost you more than your job. Because after they paid you all that money, when you are retired and you're sitting in Bermuda somewhere, they can drag you out and come and sit before them, answer and explain. And if you are found wanting, not only would you pay back money, but you will go, not only would you go through that wooden shed, but you will stay there for a while. So, Places of responsibility are not all it seems to be. It's, it's, it's a responsibility. Yes, it's a privileged position. But at the end of that, and in our case, there's judgment. Now, I'm not trying to spook anyone. It's a privilege. All we have to do is to walk in that lane. Praise God. No matter how Usain Bolt was great, if he ran out of his lane, when he got to the finish line, what will happen to him? He'll be disqualified. No matter how much you cheer, if the judges found out that he crossed the lane, he'll be disqualified. No matter how good your team is, when you score a goal and your fans cheer you, and the VAR says you were offside, whether you were offside by a yard or by an inch, the guy will say, once he has that sign, you know, and he will stare at it, and he will give you a fair judgment. I remember one World Cup. That was just when VAR started. The referee went to look at the screen like that, came back. Then he stopped. Then he went to look at it again. Then he said, actually, no go. I said, wow. He judged. He walked halfway through. He was going to give it to them. Then he said, actually, on second thought, let me have a look at it. No, you know what? It's not a goal. And once he says that, who are you? He's the judge. He said it. It's not a goal. Well done, good and faithful servant, or go into gnashing and teeth. So, in a nutshell, yes, we must remember how to react with the responsibility we are given. So, back to our track here again. Don't brag about our privilege. Instead, we must rejoice because we know that we are walking in the lane and there's going to be a crown in heaven for us. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Paul puts it another way. And this is the interesting thing. I was talking about the process. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 5. Hallelujah. We are getting to some place. Hebrews chapter 5. Let's look at 13 and 14. And he relates it to this process. He relates it to transitioning from milk to solid food. That process of maturity. That process of receiving the power. It's a journey. It is a journey. Yes, we become born again, but the journey doesn't stop there. We grow and we work on our salvation. Praise God. For everyone who only partakes of milk, for everyone who partakes only of milk, is unskilled in the world of righteousness. For he is a babe, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their sense exercised to discern both good and evil. You see the difference in the process. He's not saying milk is not good. 
But we can't live by milk alone. Jesus said, for man shall not live by bread alone. But we are going into spiritual realms. So we must not just dwell on milk. But we process into transition to be very weird. That I'll come in here and as I'm preaching to you, I have my bottle of milk that I'm drinking. I'm sure people will politely just go out of the auditorium one by one by one. And I'll be left here with babies. And they'll be competing with me for the milk. But we must grow. It is definitely odd that we would then, they know that I eat solid food. I've got almost 32 teeth in here. It might not be as straight or whatever, but it's 32 teeth in here. And they can choose solid food. So why would I go back to drink milk? And this is what we find ourselves doing. James puts it another way. Why would we go back to the things that we were doing that were wrong? And so there's a process. And once we go and transition into that process of maturity, we don't go back to do the things of children. So we look at it in another angle where a 1 Corinthians chapter 3 Let's look at that one. He relates it. So he's written to these people. He's written to another kind of people. And he talks about this saying called milk and solid food. And people who are drinking milk, they display certain attributes. They display certain attributes that people who are drinking solid food must not display. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's look at a few verses there. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He talks of how he... Uh, 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 uh. milk and solid food. Yes, so he says, and, and I, yes, feed you with milk, not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it, as you were not able to receive solid food. And even now, you are still not able. Then he talks on in three, he says, verse three, he says that, for you are still carnal. So this was the relation. So he talks about milk related to people who are carnal, people who are fleshly. And people who are fleshly, where there's people who are fleshly, there is envy, there's strife, there's divisions among those kind of people. But we are not carnal. We are not carnal. And so we must not behave like mere men. Yes, we are men. Yes, we are of this world. But yes, we are in this world. But we are not of this world, is what Paul was trying to paraphrase here. So people who have milk, would demonstrate certain type of strife, tantrums. If an adult demonstrates tantrums, they certainly look really out of place. But if a child has tantrums, they have every right to throw the tantrum. If the milk is finished, it's finished, and they can have the right to throw every tantrum that island you would probably expect them to have because it's normal as a child to throw tantrums. But when, a human, when an adult, when I throw tantrums because my mic is not working, Alexi will look at me and say, mm, okay, what's going on here? So it is out of place. So we must not go back to those attitudes. So over here, they were saying, oh, one, some people were supporting Apollos. Some people were supporting Paul. Some people say, and Paul was saying, mate, these things don't matter. Whether it's Paul who did this or whether it's Apollos who did this, it is the growth that the Lord requires that matters. So human beings have a way of classifying which pastor or which church. No, those things are not important. We are all just vessels delivering the word of God. That is what matters. That's a powerful chapter. 
It's one of these chapters that really feed me. When you get time, read the whole of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's, it's really packed. I call it power foods. Packed with power foods. It really blesses you. It nurtures you. It nourishes you. It grows you. Because when you relate to this, you realize that how we have the tendency to follow these kind of attitudes. You know, we have a tendency to sort of grow back. You know, this one pinched me. Oh, this one said, this one said, we all do that. But what we are doing here, Paul is saying that we are going back to drinking milk. And it's weird. So please, let's not do that. Hallelujah. Praise God. Instead, let's focus with solid food of wise counsel. Redeemed time. Things we spend our time on. That's because the time is not for you and I. Time will run out. Time will run out for each of us. And so whilst we're on earth here, see, the trick with us is it's not like football, you know. It's not like football that we know that we have 90 minutes to score a goal. And after 90 minutes, it's straight. And we can clock watch. And we can watch the clock and tailor our purpose to that clock. In our case, we don't know. We don't know when our end is. In fact, we don't know when the Lord is coming. And Jesus said, you don't know when the master is coming. We don't know. So our course is, is, is I won't say it's challenging, but it is serious. So in it and every day we live, let's live right. Praise God. Because it's not like an exam where you say, I've got three hours to deliver. Because some people's exam will be one minute. Some will be the whole three hours. I always said, if I knew how much the age I'm going to live, I'll go to the bank and say, I want a 50-year mortgage, and I'll pay little by little. You know, but we don't have that. So the bank put on a cap and you to say, hmm, okay, you've got 25 years to do this, and this is premium, and you can't reduce that. You know, instead it increases. So you can't do certain things because we don't know when our end is. So as long as we live, as we have the gift of day, when we wake up and we look left and right and say, oh, we are part of this world, we need to deliver. Praise God. Because we don't know when our time will run out. It's true, Pastor Joyce, you know. We'll do that. Praise God. Pastor Joyce is laughing because, you know, background with premiums or mortgage, you know, he knows that it is ridiculous that you come and stand and say, I want a 50-year mortgage. They'll probably call the police next door. And praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, we, 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 we have this wisdom. And when we have the Lord impart this wisdom on us, when Solomon asked for wisdom, he, he, he had a reason for why, because he realized that his mandate he has was what he had, was had a huge responsibility. So he needed that wisdom of discernment to lead his people. And the Lord saw through that and says, why? Okay, because you have really, you've, touched a nerve with my covenant way of thinking. I'm going to bless you additionally. So my point is things like finance and things like that would come as a secondary nature because the Lord wants you to be blessed, to be a blessing. But the key point is what do we do with that blessing? And how do we react with that blessing? You know, someone comes to ask you for money and you give the person how you give that person that money is even important. Your attitude, you know, looking at them, don't judge them top to bottom before you do that. 
like the Lord describes it, as when the widow came to give her offering and compared her to the people who were rich. Yes, the people who were rich gave magnitude of money which was higher than the widow. But the Lord said, no, the widow gave out of her want compared to so-called rich people. No, they just gave out of their excess. And to the Lord, he doesn't want your excess. He wants you broken. He wants you humbled. Humble, because the Lord came to the earth with humility. So who are you? So we need to come before him with such humility and say, Lord, search me. Lord, infeed me. And then he blesses you. He says he blesses you abundantly. Your hand, your blessing will run out of your saucer. Amen. In fact, not only would it fill your cup, but it will fill your cup and get onto the saucer and overflow. Praise God. Hallelujah. He will bless us. Amen. You know, in addition to us remembering how we um, behave when, 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 when we are blessed, sometimes, or in every case, it helps us to understand that power. You know, we were reminded awesomely on Friday in Philippians chapter 3, when Pastor Joyce was leading us in prayer, that we must, we must, we must understand the power of of his resurrection. We must understand the power of his resurrection. Because when we understand what the Lord really came to do for us, the rest is history. You know, I will add what um, Paul wrote to the people in Romans as well about this power. And this power, again, is lost in translation because in the Greek, it talks of, it relates it to this Dynamo power. So if you know dynamos, they are self-renewing. They really, you know, when the Lord, when we are working on our salvation and the Lord's power is in us, it's, it's renewing. It's, it's, it's living. It's not like some power that will run out. It's not like the power drill that will run out of, 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 of power soon, battery, on, unless you go and charge it. You know your power steering I was talking about eventually. And this is, it helps to understand power. So like in Philippians 3, it helps to understand the power of the resurrection. Secularly, it helps to understand how power works. This power assistance theory that I'm talking about, you sit in your car eventually driving one with one hand. If you don't take your car to a service, eventually there's something called power, uh, power steering fluid. It runs out. And as it runs out, you try driving a car that has power steering, that has run out of power steering fluid. And it is worse than a car that doesn't have power steering. You physically can't turn that wheel because the lubricating fluid that throws the motors is run out. So you need to work on that yearly. You need to take it to the service. And when they top up the oil, they don't tell you, but they actually top up some of those things. And if you look at your checklist and book, it tells you, after certain miles, you must top that. My point is that we must work on our salvation daily. Once saved, forever saved, does not work. Because the enemy is roaming to and fro. He's waiting for you to trip. And so if we don't grow, if we don't nurture what the Lord is saying to us, if we don't, and I'll say it as it is, 
if we don't partake in Bible study, you don't study your word properly, or you don't meditate on your word properly, or you don't do your quiet time, or you don't pray, or you don't occasionally fast, you don't regularly fast, I would say, and you don't do certain things like that. Lord, in his ministration to you, it becomes quite unfamiliar. So when the Lord is speaking to you, you don't relate to that because you don't speak with him daily. You don't relate with him daily. You don't relate with him regularly. So it's like an absent father. So when he comes home, you don't know whether he's a father or not. All you look at him is, is an adult. So we really must work on that daily. Familiarize people even who are not hearing my, who have not seen me for a while, when they hear my voice regularly, they would know that, oh, this is Pastor Andy speaking. When you are in a house that you are really in keeping with what goes on, when you walk into the house, you know whether there's somebody in or somebody not. You, you identify with the smells. You identify with... So basically my point is that because you're working on it daily or regularly, you understand and you understand that power. So in Romans chapter 8, that's another chapter that I will encourage you to read in this entirety. Another powerful... I'm not saying... The Bible in its entirety is not, but there are certain key scriptures that really feed you. You know, there's foods and there's foods. What is that matter, Spencer says? There's simply food. There's, there's, that's right. So, yeah, exactly. So, Romans chapter 8, praise God, Alexi, let's flow. Romans chapter 8, it talks about this. He says, okay, let's, maybe because of time, let's, okay, let's, let's do it because I love this, I love this um, chapter. So there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Two, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ, Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Right. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in, flesh, in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So he keeps on repeating this thing about not walking in flesh, but walking in spirit. Five, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Drive, envy, all those sort of things of the flesh, materialistic wealth, and so-called. Yeah, that's to add. But those who live according to the spirit, things of the spirit. So your quiet time, focusing, what's the Lord speaking to me? What, that man does not live on bread alone. And then focusing on, the, or, or focusing on things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So there's an end game to those fleshly things. They have a finer end. And the end is not great. But in spiritual things, there's life and there's peace. Pastor Joyce was talking about the peace and the unity. You know, with you know, how the Lord reminds us about in Psalm chapter 133, how the Lord, he, 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 he's happy, he's pleased to see that brethren live in harmony, live in peace. Because the carnal-minded is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Eight, so then those who in the flesh cannot please God. Nine, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Ten. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, 11 is where I wanted to read. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit 
who dwells in you. Let's pause there. That is the power of the resurrection. The resurrection power. The same Lord power that he used to raise Jesus from the dead. That magnitude of that power is what lives in you. Digest that verse for a moment. As we're coming up to Easter again to reflect, to remember that, hang on a second. If that power, because it requires a lot of power, a lot of authority to raise one from the dead, especially one who's been hung there for all eyes to see, crucified, dead. They come to test to say, yes, he's dead. Executed, literally. Lifted up. And if God be lifted up, I'll draw him. And that's what it means. He's been lifted up for all eyes to see. But in doing that, when the curtain twin, because, ah, this is powerful man. So they're drawing all men. So, that magnitude of that power is saying that that lives in you. You are no mere man. You are no mere man. Each of us has the ability to be empowered. In fact, we, it's already there. You've already got your power drill. You've already got your power assisted theory in the spiritual realms. And we must identify that. And we must walk in that. We must pick up that privilege. How sad it is will be that someone who has, who is here to the throne and who has inherited the throne and does not know. It will be sad that you've not checked your bank balance and you've got six figures in there, but you don't know. And it can happen. Because for lack of knowledge, my people perish. Knowledge that the Lord has blessed us. For the knowledge, if Eve had recognized that everything the Lord had blessed them with was in the Garden of Eden and that they would have life, they had it already. Instead, Eve succumbed to the words of the enemy and fell. If it could happen to Eve, it could happen to us. Just because we are humans. But we need to avail ourselves. Once we avail ourselves and understand the power that the Lord lives in us, nobody, no weapon can arise against us. And we understand that the Lord loves us all. Praise God. So he says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who was in you. What's in 12? 12. Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors, not to flesh, to live according to the flesh, but instead, in 13 he says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you will put to death the deeds of your body, you will live. Praise God. And it goes on and goes on. I encourage you to read that, that chapter. Very Powerful scripture. Praise God. So that same power remains in you. And we must re recognize our potential. We'll pray at the end that the Lord makes us recognize our potential. And that once we recognize that potential, that the Lord activates that potential. The physics students will tell us that potential energy does not really manifest. It's there, but it's not manifesting. When it transfers into kinetic energy, then there's movement. I can always say, a Rolls Royce out there, stationary, without the keys in the ignition to start it, it looks nice, 
but we don't see its power. But once it's ignited, and once the pistons start going up and down, then you know, ah, that's a rose voice compared to, sorry, the list, my micro, you know. So you realize that one is more powerful than the other. Praise God. So you recognize that the power that is in you is greater than he that is of the world. Praise God. Hallelujah. So we need to recognize that power. And to prove that you have that power, Jesus himself confirmed it. In John chapter 1 verse 12. Let's look at that verse. Some scriptures, some, some versions put it, some of them say many. Some of them say all. But to my mind, I'm included, whether it's many or whether it's all. He says, as many, let's go to the King James Version, praise God. I think that says many as well. As many as received him, as long as you received him, to them he gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Praise God. So he gave you power. He gave you that authority to become. So you're going to have to become. The potential energy is there, but you have to. He says to him, he says, he says to the, 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 the chap at the poolside, he says, do you want to be healed? So the healing was there, but mate had to say, yes, he needed this. Secularly, Oliver Twist had to go and ask for more. It wasn't going to come to his plate. That's secularly. I'm not doing any comparison. But the principle is that we must avail ourselves. Hallelujah. As many as received him, as you accept that, yes, the Lord died for It's not just receiving, oh, yes, I receive him. Yes, no. There is a process. You need to come unto him to say, yes, I understand that you died for my sins. And in fact, I am a sinner. You need to accept that you're a sinner. But then as many as, once you accept him as our Christ and personal savior, he's giving you that authority to become his son. But after that, there is a process of growth. And this is what I was talking about, from milk into solid food. Because he wants to establish his covenant with you. He doesn't just want to do the miracles for you. You want to be part of that miracle. Monday, you are part of that miracle. Praise God. That process, to say that he's a miracle-working God, you will have the testimony. Praise God. So all who receive him, so whether I mention your name or not, it doesn't matter. Because in the eyes of the Lord, you, as long as you receive him, you have become the son of God. I don't have to pronounce, I don't have any mandate to sort of say, you will get your blessing. No, the Lord will bless and he will bless who he will bless. Hallelujah. And in this scripture, he's saying that as many as believe him, to paraphrase, to them he gave the sons of God. To them he gave them power to become the sons of God. Hallelujah. Talking of that power, like I talked about, it being having a process. I'm just looking at this, and let's look at um, Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Praise God. Talking about that power, there's a process. And Jesus did it in his particular process. In his project, he gave it in a particular way. 
He says, Behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry, as in wait, in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. This is a different angle of the power. This power was the dynamo power. So power of authority, there was there. Power of virtue, there was there. Power of dynamo, the spirit, the Holy Spirit power. Once we endure from that power, once we endure with that power, then they could leave the city. Praise God. Very interesting process. If you picture this, the Lord was with the disciples for some time, several months, three years, possibly, before he gave them this mandate. It requires maturity. Some power requires maturity. I go back to my car analogy. I don't know why I've got cars in my head all the time. You know, when I was in my 20s, I used to like big engine cars. But for some reason, I noticed that when you looked at it, those times we didn't have online search for insurance. But then you look at the insurance groups and all that, and you sort of have this grade to compare to your age. My point is that when you're 24 and you want to buy a Rolls Royce, the insurance will not insure you. Not only would it be ridiculously expensive, in fact, the insurers will say it is not, they use a is it risk, isn't it? The risk to equivalent, but they will come up with some terminology. It doesn't, it, it's not compatible with their financial terms. So they won't do it for you. No matter how much money you have, mate, we won't do it. Because if something happens right now, we will bankrupt our company. So there was a process. So you have to grow to beyond 25 or so before you can qualify for that power. Ridiculous. When we look at the scripture of Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, he says, A man shall leave his father and mother. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and join to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And I looked at that scripture and I'm saying, Therefore, a man, he didn't say a boy. Biologically speaking, and I'll tell you this, and teenagers, please take this for note. You can father. Or you can get a girl pregnant. That's serious. So don't take it lightly. Biologically, it's possible. And when it happens, physically, for everyone to see, then we realize how ridiculous it's been. Because you don't have the finance. You don't have the capability. You ain't got a house. You are not ready. And this is why God says, therefore, a man didn't say a boy. Even though he knew it was biologically possible, there was a reason why God says that. And if we want to walk in God's will, we need to understand his will and why he says what he says. The Lord does not just use words for words sake. He didn't say a boy or man. No. He says a man. And when you're a man, just because you're over 18 does not make you a man. When you're over 21 does not make you a man. When you're 31 does not make you a man. It is what is in your head. How you behave. How you relate to woman, how you understand how to bring up, that's what makes you a man. When you are ready, that's when you can leave. Praise God. And so when he says a man, in a man in God's eyes, is one who is spiritually inclined to be a man. Because, mate, there are some men who are boys in the head. They're not ready. Just sorry to digress. But my point is that there's a process there's a process. There's a process. So you become born again 
and we go through that maturity process. We grow in that maturity process in order to move with our purpose. Then the Lord says, I will give you this power. Abraham went through a process before the Lord said, ah, now I know. Therefore, to paraphrase, you will be a father of many nations. He didn't just give Abraham, yes, he loved Abraham, yes, he understood Abraham, but he went through that process before he realized that, yes. So Jesus went through the process with the disciples before he realized, okay, right, right now, I'm going to leave you, I'm ready. I'm going to leave you in my flesh, but I'm going to leave you with the power from But don't leave this unless you have matured. Praise God. Hallelujah. As clever as you are, as genius as you are, if you're not 18, you don't qualify to go into medical school. That's one of the key qualifications. You have to be 18. So it's like you have these kids who are very smart and whatever, but because you are 17, you have to wait. So these are some of the things. So in circular wise, they understand. If you look at, uh, when we look at interview process, you have a look at the person's spec. There's essential criteria and there's desirable criteria. And some of the essential criteria you need to meet, not some, all you need to meet. Some of the desirable criteria, okay, it's fine. But the essential criteria is that you need to be a man. So you need to have a process. You need to have that understanding of the power that's in you. And once you understand that power, and once you know how you, once you, you, you react and you relate to the power as God ordained it to be, that, okay, this is the purpose of why I'm giving this responsibility of having salvation and how I'm going to nurture it, how I'm going to mature in the process, how I'm not going to go back to milk, but I'm going to get solid food and maintain and grow. Then we are on the track. Hallelujah. Praise God. So when David was ordained, he didn't just come from the shepherd and just go straight. No, he understood. When he was anointed, he understood, but he went through a process. And God allowed him to go through that process. If God wanted to use him, he would have picked him and said, right. But he had to go through that process. Same way Samuel was with Eli under the tutelage until when God was calling him. Then he went through that process. So in terms of the Lord, there is a process. And we need to go through that process. We need to do our quiet time. We need to fellowship regularly. We must not forsake fellowship. We must understand and steady the word. Steady the word. Understand the word. And grow in that way. Hallelujah. And be patient. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 40. We're almost there. Praise God. Isaiah chapter 40. Let's look at 29 to 31. Praise God. He says he gives power to the weak. Very interesting. The Lord did not come to the world for what? The ones who were already healed or the ones who were not sick. To paraphrase, there's one verse like that. He says that he gives power to the weak. So the ones who are broken, when we've come to him humbly, we've humbly come before him, avail ourselves, says, God, send me. Then he's ready to use you. He didn't come for the ones who were ready, uh, ones who were broken and out. Once say, God, I am so sorry for what I've done. Accept me as your person. That's true repentance. Pastor Alfred was teaching us very keenly about that. About true repentance. 
Because we can always have words. This part of the world, we have words. People can speak. I can say things. You can have a good orator. Come and say things. doesn't mean anything for God. doesn't. It doesn't wash with him. The content and the heart. He says we must worship him in spirit and in truth. Just to digress, but important digression. But he says he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. Not by might. Not by power. So to ones who have no might, he increases strength. Praise God. And the translation there of that strength is not muscular strength, but it is strength of being able to withstand temptation, is what the translation is. Strength to withstand certain wiles of the enemy. How are we going to respond to this challenge that the enemy has put? That is that strength he's talking about. Praise God. So it's not that. And then now this is the key verse. 30. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. That's the key one. So that's the proof that it's not a boy. It's not ones who are drinking milk. And when I say boy, Patrick, I don't mean boy, boy, I see you. I mean boy in spirit. Because we know that God can still use, he says, he says if you don't praise him, the stones will cry out. So he can use children. And he does use children. So it's not in your, your, your kind of the way we look at it fleshly, but the spiritual maturity. So he says, even the youth shall faint. So when the Lord has renewed, has given you that strength because you are weak, it's not because when the youth were ones who physically could run, could outrun adults. But what the Lord is saying here is that in this race, even those people who had that so-called strength, they will faint. So it is not by our, our carnal ability. So in this case, in this relation where a youth could outrun, because if you're running with me physically, I'm mean, sure you definitely outrun me. But the point is that, that in that race that the Lord is talking about, they would faint because it's the Lord that gives us the strength. So even no matter how old you are, no matter how old Sarah was, the Lord said he will bless her with a womb. Indeed, he blessed her. Praise God. And so even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. In 31, he says, he says that strength will rise, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. The key word here is wait. Those waiting. So in waiting for the Lord, in steadily waiting, we can't rush the Lord. You must not rush the Lord. You are coming here patiently, Brajo, to wait for the Lord to infuse you. Praise God. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up. And this is the manifestation. With wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. We will not burn out. We will not burn out. May burn out, Kevin, be your portion. May never be your portion. Because this is not a carnal burning out. This is one that is self-renewing. He says he's giving us the dynamo spirit. So it's self-renewing. It's, 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 um, uh, the, the blessings of the Lord are new every morning. So every morning we wake up, no matter how weak our flesh is, because we are not reliant on our flesh, we move on. 
Praise God. So even in the eyes of the, 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 the lady who was described, I think, in, in Elijah's time, when the, uh, uh, the, the, the son was clearly dead, what did she keep on saying? It is well. It is well. And indeed, well it was. Praise God. And so, once we wait on the Lord, he will renew our strength. Praise God. And we must be patient with that. When things are not happening, just wait on him. Not just waiting on him and doing nothing, but waiting on him and doing as his will ordains you to be. Praise God. He will renew their strength. Praise God. The race is not for the swift. It's not no matter how fast. No, it's not that. It's not for the swift at all. Hallelujah. So, Back to our original scripture, Zerubbabel, he still had to pick up that plumb line and build. But there was a process. He didn't just arrive at chapter 4 and build. There was a process that he built. The Lord's house in Zechariah chapter 4. Praise God. So after we, was, after we have been given this miracle and be part of that miracle... We must always remember that Jesus says we must not be boastful in that. But instead, we must recognize the purpose. Hallelujah. You know, just to finish off, when we look at poverty, I always say, and this is, this is my, my opinion, and I, 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 I firmly believe in that. Poverty is a terrible disease. It causes issues, and it causes issues downstream. Slavery causes issues downstream. Because it warps your mentality if you allow it to be. It warps your mentality. Because what happens there is that when the Lord blesses you with a purpose, because of where you came from, sometimes it can do one of two things. It can make you have a bitter perception of, and when I say poverty, it's not financial poverty alone. When one lacks something, you want something so much, and then you've got it, you can do one or two things, because the enemy can then try and warp your mind to say, ah, you know, you must do this, you must do this. And actually what he's doing is he's being controlled. And when I say the enemy, the enemy is not far off. The enemy is each of us in this case. Because what people say to you, unfortunately, is what goes. And it must not be. Instead, Auntie Wendy, it must be what God says in your life. Because what people say, they don't know where you came from. They just see where you have arrived. And then they start saying to you, ah, now that you are doing it, I think you must do this. You must do this. Sometimes they don't even say, I think you must. But according to their eyes, this is what they feel you must do. The problem is, they have not been part of your journey with the Lord. So whilst you are patiently waiting for the Lord to renew your strength, the Lord has renewed your strength, and all they see is your strength being renewed. In fact, they don't even see it's being renewed. They just see that you have strength. And so they feel that they must be your chief counselor. Instead of relying on the Lord being your wonderful counselor, they feel they must do that. It's not their fault. It's just what they see. And so as they see that, they're telling you what they think you must do. And sometimes we take that. Jesus saw through that. When Peter said to him, he says, get thee behind me, Satan. He was with Peter for a while. He was with Peter for almost years. But then he was quick to discern, hang on a second, this is not coming from 
what God says. This does not line up with what God is speaking to me. But he was able to do that because he knew and he was in constant communication with God. May we be in constant communication with God to understand what God and where God wants to take us. I'm not saying don't listen to man, but I'm saying that we must be of solid food. That remember, he says that we have the power to discern. Again, Pastor Alfred was reminding us about discernment. So we must discern, understand, okay, is this in keeping with what God is saying? Or is this just man? Jesus wasn't shy to rebuke Peter. Jesus did it his way. But we don't have to take whatever everyone says. We seem to care about what people say to us, about what people think of us, about what we think people are thinking of us. And that's the worst thing. Sometimes for other reasons, the person is not even thinking about that way, but you just feel that mm, the way the person looked at me. This is what they are thinking. So we must be wary of those loopholes. Otherwise, we fall. It wasn't in God's ordained position to when he blessed Solomon with money to make him go wayward. It wasn't. It wasn't God's plan. But for some reason, it happened that way. And so if it can happen to Solomon, the wisest man on earth, it can happen to you. We don't take God. Hallelujah. So we must grow in that power. But in summary, we must understand the power. We must know the power. We must remember the power, where we came from, where God wants to take us. And doing that, when we are going that steady race, we must not go back to the milk. And when we are going through that process, remember that people will come our way and speak to us. And these people are so-called, unfortunately, not to paraphrase anyway, they're enemies. Now, I'm not saying people are enemies, but I'm just saying that when things come our way and they say to us, they might not necessarily be in keeping with the Lord. And so the first impression you must have is, that, okay, I'm going to discern. I'm not going to be stubborn about what you're saying, but I'm going to discern. Is this in keeping with what God is saying? Because the person who gives you that counsel is not going to be the one who's going to be standing with you as your advocate when God is asking you, what did you do with the purpose I gave you? It's going to be one-on-one. -on -one. Yes, God uses people our way to come and speak to us. Yes, he does. But it is up to us to discern to know whether that's an angel from God. And the only way we will have that discernment is when we have that power of the spirit to discern. So you see how important it is. So God gives us the power to know, okay, this power, is it in relation with what God's power is or is it the enemy? Because the enemy always has, like I said, the counterfeit. Even when Jesus had come, fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, the enemy still had audacity to come to him and speak to him. But he was able to discern that to say, this is what the Lord says. This is not exactly what the Lord, how the Lord put it. Eve didn't have that opportunity. Praise God. So we must understand that our growth is important, is key. Hallelujah. I must remember that we are humble. Hallelujah. Praise God. We have to train ourselves to understand how God speaks, when he speaks, and how and what his voice is. He says, my sheep know my voice. May we know his voice at all times. 
Hallelujah. And in Joshua's case, let's take a leaf out of his book. He says, okay, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Praise God. 